tomorrow, gentlemen. We'll be in Las Vegas. Welcome to Vegas. Las Vegas functions on a 24-hour-a-day schedule. The pool's the casino. Big volcano out in front. That's the Eiffel Tower. Barrage. Riviera. The Mirage. Flamingo. Sahara. The MGM Grand. This isn't the real Caesar's Palace, is it? On a camel. They always put the machines that pay off the most right in the front. Good luck. The Strip is just the most amazing stretch of road, I think, probably anywhere in the world. Kicking ass in Vegas. Vegas, baby. Vegas, baby. Welcome to Las Vegas. <laughs> Again, every, every time we get to record a vintage segment, it's kind of a... It really is a treat. It's an event, really. I mean, yep. we have to set aside special time together. We take it very seriously. It's not like a regular show where we're just trying to make each other laugh. We have serious information that we want to share with people, and we want to do it in a very serious way. Yeah, the people and events that we cover in the Vintage Vegas segment, I think we need to address with a different level of respect. It certainly sums up the reason for our approach. Well, and once again, this is, you know, you helped to inspire this as the birth of the entire 360 Vegas podcast concept. So it, it means a whole lot to me. And so does uh, this week's character. <laughs> character, I think, would be an understatement. Right. <laughs> uh, a huge, huge icon in the not only in, in Vegas history, but in, in the history of pop culture. Absolutely. So this week, we're going to talk to you about Elvis Presley in Vegas. Elvis Presley virtually invented celebrity as we know it. Unfortunately, he also became its first victim. Imagine being a shy mama's boy who never matured past his late teens to early 20s because at the time when most people are learning who they are from their mistakes, everyone around Elvis told him he was a genius. He was encouraged to not let people change him. Go with your instincts. Elvis Presley not only became Las Vegas' biggest draw, but changed the face of music and pop culture forever. Unfortunately, his memory has become bastardized by the myriad of performers who impersonate his talent during the darkest time of his life. While most don't do this with malicious intent, Fat Elvis has become a common caricature in Vegas representing one of the most amazing, iconic performers of all time. Elvis Presley exploded into the national conscious in 1956 and rapidly became the most popular musician in history. However, in the midst of all the success, the first time he performed in Las Vegas at the New Frontier, it was very poorly received. Many blame this primarily on the middle-aged, conservative hotel guests in the audience, hardly Presley's core families. The 56 Vegas booking was kind of a rushed-together affair, so much that it wasn't widely reported in trade papers like it would normally be with a rising star of Elvis's caliber. Elvis was booked as the closer for the first two weeks of the four-week Freddie Martin Orchestra engagement. The performances would be held in the New Frontier's 1,000-seat Venus Room. To advertise the upcoming performances, the property set up a 24-foot-tall Elvis Presley cutout, the same picture used on Elvis' first album, in front of the hotel, beside the casino entrance. Just below comedian Chucky Green, 
The marquee advertised extra added attraction, Elvis Presley. Print ads advertised him as the atomic-powered singer. Elvis came out noticeably nervous in the first performance of the residency. He stammered to thank Freddie Martin for the introduction and joked that their opening song was Heartburn Motel, which received virtually no reaction from the crowd. The band would later say the performance was the first time they had been able to hear themselves play and realize how out of tune they were. The New Frontier's Vice President T.W. Richardson was in the audience and was very excited to have Elvis performing at his resort. He had been a big fan since hearing Elvis perform in his hometown of Biloxi. Wanting to share Elvis with some of his friends, he invited many to attend the first show. When Elvis and the boys finally started playing, some of his guests remarked, What is all this yelling and screaming? I can't take this. Let's go to the tables and gamble. After their first performance, they stopped being the closers. Despite a crowd that clearly didn't find Elvis to their liking, he never stopped trying to win them over. And the entire residency wasn't a flop. Realizing that the stereotypical Vegas audience was not Elvis' demographic, the New Frontier scheduled a teenage matinee with proceeds going towards lights for a youth baseball park. The response was absolute bedlam. The theater was jam-packed and surrounded by those who couldn't make it in for the performance but still wanted to hear their idol perform. As was common at the time, at some point during the performance, the crowd swarmed the stage and tore the shirt off of Elvis, then ravaged it to pieces. The capture of his little as a button from the shirt elicited squeals of joy. Overall, Elvis would go on to describe the less than successful residency in Vegas as 28 12-minute shows, two per night, over 14 days. The rest of the time was spent doing whatever they wanted to, which would equate to hours of riding the Dodgem cars to the local amusement park, hanging out by the pool, chasing girls, watching movies, and Vegas shows, and staying up all night. But for all the time he spent in Vegas during this residency, he didn't drink and didn't gamble. Elvis just said neither appealed to him. Elvis's mom was a big fan of Liberace, so he made it a point to get an autograph for her when they met for the first time in Vegas. This meeting produced a famous picture of the two stars switching the instruments they are most well known for and feigning a jam session. Elvis was a big fan of the lounge act, the Bellboys at the Sands. He especially liked their closing number, Hound Dog, a minor hit for them the previous year. Elvis was already familiar with the Big Mama Thornton song, but didn't become interested in adding it to their set list until seeing the Bellboys perform it. Elvis decided he wanted to incorporate it into his show, but out of respect for the Bellboys, not while they were performing in Vegas. Guitarist Scotty Moore would later admit that they stole it right from him. In the end, the boys and even the Colonel would consider the residency to be a valuable learning experience for them. It was largely considered to be the one misstep in Elvis' career, a reminder that they still needed to work hard to keep climbing to the top. In perspective, by the end of the Vegas residency, Heartbreak Hotel was number one on the charts. I Want You, I Need You, I Love You was released to advanced sales of 300,000, and RCA Victor reported that Elvis records accounted for half of their pop sales. The final Vegas performance in 1956 was recorded and bootlegged by a member of the audience. 25 years later, RCA would release it. Las Vegas would become Elvis's favorite place to vacation because it never went to sleep, just like him. Just before the release of his first movie, Love Me Tender, Elvis was feeling nervous. So he took the Colonel's advice and went on vacation to Vegas. While Elvis was still a celebrity in Las Vegas, he was a celebrity among celebrities. Of course, his comings and goings were reported on, but from a distance, which suited Elvis just fine. 
While Elvis's use of prescription drugs, specifically uppers and downers, can be traced back to his time in the military, and then in an attempt to keep up with his constantly busy schedule, Vegas was a place where they were used to squeeze a little extra fun out of life. However, over time, the excessive use of uppers required downers to get some sleep, which then required uppers to get past the grogginess of the downers. Elvis and crew went to Vegas a lot after the war, before, during, and after many of the filming of his movies, usually staying at the Sahara because the colonel was friends with the owner Milton Perel. Rather than go home to Graceland after he finished filming Kid Galahad in 61, he decided to stay in Vegas for Christmas and New Year's. The next time Elvis would perform in Vegas would be in the movie Viva Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas was the story of race car driver Lucky Jackson, who comes to Vegas to compete in the Las Vegas Grand Prix. While trying to get money to replace the engine in his car, he meets Rusty Martin, a.k.a. Ann Margaret, a swimming pool instructor in Vegas, and becomes smitten with her. After losing all his money, Lucky is forced to work as a waiter at the hotel to pay off his bill. In a last-ditch effort, he tries to win the hotel's talent show so he can take the prize money and buy himself a new engine and still enter the race. When Elvis learned that his next movie was to be set in Vegas, he got excited. More excited to do a movie in a long time. The first few days of production were spent in the recording studio. Elvis recorded 12 songs for the film, but only six were released on records, as the idea of a full-length soundtrack were not considered at the time. In January of 2012, Sony released an official full-length soundtrack on CD for the movie as part of Elvis's 75th birthday anniversary. Elvis and his love interest in the movie, Anne Margaret, recorded two duets for the film. The Lady Loves Me made it into the movie. The Year the Boss did not, but was later released. Elvis's co-star, Anne Margaret, was discovered by George Burns only a few years before and was just coming off her biggest movie, an Elvis-inspired musical called Bye Bye Birdie. Filming began July 15, 1963, with an opening date scheduled for June 17, 1964. The filming of the song Viva Las Vegas, which he performs at the talent show, was performed in one single unedited shot, the only known example of that technique being used in Elvis' movie career. An interesting side note, one of the guitar players in the movie is Glenn Campbell, who was a session museum for artists like Bobby Darin, The Monkees, and more, including Elvis. Campbell would go on to have a successful solo career, probably best known for his hit, Rhinestone Cowboy. The movie boasts one of the best car race sequences ever filmed at the time. The wedding scene was filmed at the Little Church of the West, which is still open for business today, south of Mandalay Bay, across the street. It was originally located at the Last Frontier, but was moved to make way for the Fashion Show Mall. It relocated to the Hacienda until that was destroyed so Mandalay Bay could be built in 1996. It has been at its current location ever since and deemed a national historic place, not just for being in Viva Las Vegas, but actually playing host to many famous weddings, including Richard Gere and Sidney Crawford in 1981, Noel Gallagher in 1997, and Billy Bob Thornton and Angelina Jolie in the year 2000. The wedding scene in the film sparked tabloid journalists to report that Elvis and Anne Margaret actually got married, but this was never the case. However, it did make his girlfriend at the time, Priscilla Boulay, very jealous. Some believe Viva Las Vegas to be some of Elvis' best acting work, as well as his best movie. The opening sequence has possibly the best collection of aerial footage of Old Vegas ever filmed. In this movie, the songs actually help to tell the story and develop the character, and not just take advantage of Elvis' talents and selling power. Unlike most Elvis movies, he shared the spotlight with his co-star. 
For the first time, he was performing with a talent of similar skills. In fact, many referred to Ann-Margaret as the female Elvis. Some even argued that Ann-Margaret steals the movie with her dancing, so much that the director was accused of showing too much of Ann-Margaret's body and shaking lady parts that it bordered on tasteless. During the filming of the movie, it's reported that Elvis's manager, Colonel Tom Parker, and the director fought repeatedly over many things. The reoccurring argument was the amount of screen time Anne Margaret received during the dance numbers. The issue revolved around a member of the film crew. We hope you've enjoyed this premium content preview. For access to the rest of this episode, as well as all the premium content we offer, go to patreon.com slash 360vegas. A monthly subscription will give you access to the enhanced version of the podcast, often with bonus content, exclusive podcasts like 360 Vintage Vegas, 360 Origins, 360 Vegas Movies, insider information on all things 360 Vegas, 360 Vegas Vacation, and early access to everything. To subscribe, simply go to patreon.com slash 360vegas. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Or you can find a link to Patreon on our blog, 360vegaspodcast.com. Yeah.